0: Hey, it's Bill Simmons. We're not just reacting to the NBA playoffs on my podcast. We're also doing it on the Ringer NBA Show and the Mismatch Podcast. They are coming
1: after some of these NBA playoff games. Check it out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights on the Ringer Podcast Network.
0: This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that.
1: Shop delivery or pickup options near you at Ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. It is the Ring Run
0: NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I am Kevin Clark, joined on a beautiful Friday afternoon by Nora Princiati. Nor, hello. Hello, Kevin. And Stephen Ruiz. Stephen, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Uh, Cooper Cup today, guys. Bonus episode.
2: Bonus that bonus Cooper Cup.
3: This is a good bonus episode. Like I, the, well, well, <laughs> the off, early off season, like some trade happened on like a Friday oh. afternoon. this is
0: this one's like more enjoyable for me. Does it upset you that those bonus episodes, like those, were some of the most listened to episodes, like in our history? All anybody cares about is like trades and, and breaking
2: news. Actions.
0: Yeah, no, it makes like sense. It's, it makes sense. The the NFL is getting to a point it will never be. I mean, like fifty million people like watch the championship game. So, or the game will always be a thing, but it's getting to an NBA style situation where the transaction is as big as the action
3: because the solution and- the solution is just getting cooper cup on the the emergency episodes then I'll, I'll be fine
0: well we could ask about that all right let's do it all right so we're gonna get to cooper we do we're, we're calling this a ball pit episode um talking ball have a couple other questions too life in general his new contract obviously um which was minted this week so really really fun stuff uh really good stuff on on ball so let's get to it here's cooper all right, Cooper Cup, let's go through the list here. Reigning Super Bowl MVP, reigning NFL Offensive Player of the Year, first-team All-Pro, Pro Bowl, reigning receptions leader, yardage leader, touchdowns leader, and a Super Bowl champion. Anything else, Cooper?
4: <laughs> I will see this year.
0: All right, we'll see. Um, you're here with Pat today. Um, we will get to that, the extra strength, eye drops. Um. First of all, congratulations on the new contract, three years, $80 million. Um, I'm, I'm curious, you had a quote in Sports Illustrated this week about how you, know, you weren't sitting around going on over the cap and trying to figure out what you were worth, but you're getting bleacher report pop-ups and and you're kind of looking and seeing what it was. Can you take me through what the process was this offseason? I mean, it seems like they wanted to to, to reward you. Um, you were open to it. Can you just take us through the process on how either easy or, or hard it was, Cooper?
4: It was a, it was a great process. Uh, we were very, it would be in a place where we were very, had a very collaborative approach on things we had said, um, I'd said to them, you know, this is something that, you know, I'm not trying to reset a market. You know, I was very clear about that. I said that publicly as well. Um, so there was a trust element to this of saying, Hey, let's just work on finding a way to make this thing work. And we, we didn't call it a negotiation going through it. It was just let's sit down and and figure out what, what makes sense. And, um, you know, just being able to have that mutual respect for one another um, allow this to be a, a very, very smooth process.
0: I'm curious. Um, it's not like you were making minimum wage last year, um, but when you get an extension like that, listen, I think we all have things in our Amazon cart that we'd, we'd click buy now for um, if we got a substantial raise. Uh, last couple of days, any splurges? Uh,
4: nope. No, nothing. We uh, <laughs> No, we're not. Uh, I can't think of I, I nope.
0: Nothing even on the on the bucket list in the next couple weeks.
4: (laughs) No, not nothing really. I mean, I've got a. I need to take my wife on a vacation somewhere. That needs to happen. That's been planned though. Like I need to take my wife somewhere um, for us to be able to get away a little bit. So um, that's going to happen at some point. Um, And then um, outside of that, no. I mean, we're kind of just uh, you know life goes on. You just like you're. I'm chasing my kids around. My my son still wakes (laughs) me up at five forty five in the morning. Um, you know, I'm still making oatmeal in the mornings for the, for the boys, <laughs> Just, uh, you know,
3: life goes on. Can, can I borrow $2 million then? I'm going to have
4: to check Steven will make you,
3: to
4: I'll yeah. make you oatmeal. I'll make you oatmeal. i make some
3: good oatmeal too. <laughs> Whatever you want in it. Now, obviously you had this big year last year. It was your first year with Matt. Uh, I'm wondering what, how did the offense change because Matt arrived? Were there any like concepts or routes that you ran specifically more often because Stafford liked them or was good at them?
4: Yeah, I think you get a feel for that stuff. and there's also some, some stuff that Matthew brought with and that he really liked to do. Um, you, you kind of revise things as an offense as well. And certainly, I mean, when you have players come in, you, you try to, you know, you're not going to completely change your offense, but you try to you know, say, hey, are there certain parts of this offense that, you know, complement, you know, your players better? Uh, you want to play your players' strengths. And Sean did a great job of being able to put us in those positions. So there is, I think, little nuanced stuff here and there um, that we did differently. Um, that we maybe relied on more um, and maybe other parts of our offense did less because of, you know, uh, Ma- uh, Matthew's comfortability doing those things and um, his ability and um, being very effective at certain parts of our offense.
3: Would that be like, like the drop back passing game, like five more five-step drops? It seemed like that's kind of what happened when Matt took over.
4: Yeah, so I mean, like, that's a, that's a, a part of it. I mean, being able to be in a place where um, you're putting – the ball in Matthew's hands and giving him time to move people and dictate things. And I think that is a, that's, you know, it's a fair, fair thing to say that's part of uh, what makes Matthew great. It's something that we wanted to, wanted to do a little more of last year.
2: Cooper Stevens asking the hard hitting football questions, but I feel like the off season football event of this year was the McVay wedding. What was the best part?
4: Uh, the best part was definitely when he got up on stage doing his dancing, his rapping. Um, I told him afterwards, I <laughs> I got him. I, uh, Ann and I, uh, we left just a little bit after that and caught him on the way out. It was like, like, we're good. Like, that's the moment. That is the peak of this party. <laughs> and so he said, well, it can, you can't go any higher than that. So, uh, we got, we got that. It's all going to be downhill from here. Um, so yeah, that was, that was definitely, uh, the peak of that one.
3: What song did he the rap? The wedding. So, what song does Sean McVeigh rap? Like, what... what song? Yeah. It, yeah.
4: Was it... I can't even remember what song it was. Um, I think it was the um, oh I I don't even know what I can't remember what song it was. It was yeah. a good one. It was it was like a, it was a throwback. It was it was one of those throwback songs. Why can't I not remember what song it was though? It was great. It was a great it was a great <laughs> one. I'm gonna leave, leave it at that. It was a I'm sure there's video of it. I'm yeah, I'm yeah. shocked there's we'll not video it. of it
0: somewhere. We'll find
4: it.
2: We'll try to find out because Kevin has this theory that football coaches are are sort of culturally frozen in time from when, when they, they became, became a coordinator. coordinators. <laughs> Because they get so busy, they don't listen to new music. Like Kyle Shanahan loves Lil Wayne.
0: Yeah, we have to find true. out
2: because we can find out if it if it supports the theory or not. Like twenty twelve, it would be
4: we don't would need be to, Sweet spot. I, I can I can tell you right now that that's completely true. It's 100% yes, true. <laughs> yes. And I honestly think I think the song might have been California Love by Tupac. I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think that's what it was. Um, but. uh yeah, no, that's like, yeah, that's, that's 100% true.
2: That's awesome. Well, it's a very good skill to know when the wedding has peaked and it's time to go home and, and get some sleep.
4: Yeah, no, that was great. You get, you get, uh, you know, save yourself a few hours of sleep on the back end. Still enjoy all the good stuff at the wedding. It's, it's a great skill.
3: So you had the uh, the post game interview, I think it was like later in the year, where you kind of like broke down the coverage the defense was playing and how you got open on a big play. Do you have, like, that Sean McVay-like ability where you can, like, recall specific plays after the fact? Or was that just, like, a short-term memory type of thing?
4: No, I'm not like Sean. Sean's an elephant. Um, You know, (laughs) someone asked him about the play, about a play the other day. And he's going back through, like, he remembers the time on the clock, what down it was, what yard line you're on, what the humidity was, the wind speed. Like, how many... (laughs) <laughs> fans were there. Like, he, he knows all the stuff. So you know, I don't have it like I don't have that kind of memory. Um but when it comes to like football specific stuff and what happened on a play, you know, I think that's kind of a lot more kind of where uh my mind goes.
3: Do you remember what happened on the uh I guess it was like a second and seven play. The the no look pass at the end of the Super Bowl. Can you like recall the details of the coverage for that play? That was like a big play.
4: Yeah, it was it, so they had the safety dropping down I mean they they had a great coverage called. Um, it was, I believe, it was just. A, it was they were playing a, you know, a three, uh, depending on how you want to call it, a three buzz look. Um, we had a little um, concept where we're trying to get a high low on the on the strong hook player, which ends up being that buzz safetyist coming down. Um, when you when you're running this kind of concept, you're really banking on that hook player attaching to the underneath pivot route. Um, Matthew did a great job being able to move guys um, by. Looking one way and obviously bringing it back, uh, throwing the ball across his body, opening uh, an open spot kind of on that on that hook, that hook area. And um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a great play. It was, it was a it was an incredible job. on want to play where we didn't get exactly the reaction we wanted, um, but Matthew just dictating where the ball is going to
3: go. I just want to say I, I watched the play before this, and you absolutely nailed it. Every, every aspect of
0: the time. <laughs> yeah. He knows ball. He knows ball. Oh, he congratulations, Stephen. I'm confirming that Cooper knows how to play football. <laughs> um, so we have a question, Cooper. Stephen's going to read it from our colleague, Ben Philak, who tried to ask you. He tried to ask you this question after this rule. He also tried to ask Sean this question, and both of you were in such a celebratory mood, you could not answer scheme questions. So we're hoping to get a breakdown here. Stephen, you have the floor. Should I read it word for word? No, just Are, you can speed it up a little. Okay, it's so a long he,
3: question. Yeah, it is a long okay. question. He says you, your offense was struggling to move the ball through the first three quarters, and then in, on the go ahead drive, you guys kind of had a scheme shift where you and you guys were running a lot of condensed sets early on, and then you went to more of spread looks. You went to two by two looks out of gun with tempo. When most of the time you guys had been in three by one in tighter formations, was that was there like a conversation on the sideline where you guys kind of came up with those changes, or did was it Sean just saying this is how we're going to play from now on?
4: Um, we got to a point there, uh, so it was very clear the, the plan the Bengals were giving us, they were going to you know, try to double me when they could. Um, and then we had you know, early in the game, we had, a, we kind of were anticipating that that might be something they do, which is why Odell was about to go for 200 yards, um, win to rule MVP mm-hmm. and do all the incredible things that he was about to do in that game. It was going to be an unbelievable game for Odell obviously the, uh, the worst thing happens and he goes down. Um, and now the game plan is kind of set up around, mm-hmm. you know, being able to let go over, um, get into a low, we're trying to figure out how to get things to go again. Um, we get into that place where it's okay. This is a uh, six minutes left. We, this might be kind of the last opportunity we get to go down um, and, you know, realistically run our stuff and be able to, to put ourselves up and, um, being able to talk with Sean, on the sidelines was kind of a hey. Let's just let's just do what we've done. Do what our do our stuff. Let's not like just go back to just kind of who we are and not worry about you know, what the game plan was. But just like let's just run our stuff and allow players to make plays. And um, so he's got into that tempo. He did a great job just keeping us in tempo, keeping the Bengals out of um, some of those man calls. Where we're able to activate some of those doubles and things like that. Um And then you know Matthew able to dish the ball around. Um, some guys that some young guys that hadn't played much this year that year had came, stepped up and made some huge plays. Uh, Matthew played lights out, um, and we were able to go down there and um, put some points up on the board.
0: Cooper, um, one interesting thing I heard you talk about is the fact that the person who's still thrown you the most passes in your life is is your father, who obviously played in the NFL. And I'm curious, you know, most most quarterbacks. Um, you know, if they have a son, they're also a quarterback, but it seems to me you picked up some stuff from being the son of a quarterback, understanding how to run routes, understanding what a quarterback wants, frankly. Um, and can you tell me where that influence shows up? Not just in your game now, but just throughout your, your career?
4: Yeah. So, I mean, I think, uh, being quarterback friendly is a, is a thing. coaches talk about all the time as receivers, being quarterback friendly, being a quarterback friendly receiver. And that's most, most of the time it's referenced working back downhill, right? Cutting off lanes for DBs to undercut things and making sure that you're securing passes so that you aren't getting balls batted down or picked. Um, but I think it also means putting your foot in the ground, making it, you know, being clear with your indicator steps on where you're going, setting your path so that the quarterback knows where you're going, can trust where you're um, coming out at, coming out of your breaks the same and how you're, um, the speed and what you're coming out of them so they can anticipate the throws and um, being consistent with that. Um, so all those things, I think, are, are a piece of, you know, who I am as a receiver. Um, and I all like, like I've said, I, I was taught to play receiver from a quarterback. Um, and if, in all honesty, uh, my best friend, one of my best friends growing up, was the quarterback of our Pop Warner team. And he was my quarterback from, you know, from nine years old all the way through high school. And uh, if he wasn't a quarterback, I probably would have been the one that was playing quarterback. So I kind of got lucky in that. Mm. my. my <laughs> you know, my best friend was the quarterback, so I kind of got shifted to running back and then to receiver. Um, otherwise, I think I probably would have ended up playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, that for me was uh, that for me was a it was a unique perspective to learn the position from, and I think it, it it has it has been a part of who I am as a receiver all the way through my career.
2: Cooper, you're obviously coming off this incredible season, culminating in a Super Bowl. What do you do to goal set? for either what you want to work on this off season or, or going into next season, what goals are you setting for yourself just coming from a place that was already such a high achievement
1: level?
4: Yeah. You know, well, it's kind of funny because, um, like well, I first want your question, like I don't, my goal for myself is to be a better football player point of blank period year after year. That's the goal. Um, go fix the things you didn't do well, do them better. Uh, it's as simple as that. And you know, I don't do production goals or, achievement goals or anything like that. It's just, let's just be a better football player. Um, but, you know, that that question, I get asked that question a lot now. And realistically, you know, we go down that last drive. Let's say on that fourth down, you know, the fourth down, the jet sweep, say we don't get that. You know, we, we've now turned the ball over on the negative 30-yard line, six minutes left, maybe less than that at that point. The Bengals are in great position to close that game out you know, the questions that we asked then coming in this year is, hey, what do you guys need to do to get yourselves over the top? What are the things that you Mm -hmm. guys need to do better at so you can get over the top? And now the questions I'm being asked and that we are being asked is, how can you possibly be better? You know, it's like we're the same, whether that happened or not, we're the same players, the same team, whether that that one play went differently. Um, And so that's what we have to understand is that there's always so much to get better at. There's always so much we can improve on um and anyone that thinks that they've they've uh you know gotten there that anyone that thinks that they've arrived they're, they're sorely mistaken and uh, they're limiting themselves there's so much that we can do um better at so i i take that approach be critical of yourself and know that there's there's things to improve on regardless of um you know any of the good stuff that you've been able to achieve
3: uh even in detroit i feel like uh stafford use his eyes well and like did a lot of those no look passes. And I'm wondering from like the wide receivers perspective, is it hard to catch those no look passes? Like, do you get fooled yourself? Like the defenders do
4: Uh early on, it was definitely something you had to kind of get used to. Um But there's a, let's just say you figure it out. You figure out how to, you know, anticipate those things. So I'll leave it at that. But yes, yeah, so you, you, you figure it out.
3: <laughs> and then one more question that's kind of related, like on that, the, the Super Bowl play, the no look play. I, I think before the snap, you and I think it was Bryson Hopkins were like kind of, I think you guys may have aligned wrong or something, or you guys flipped alignment right before the play. What happened there?
4: Yeah. So we have a, we have a, we have a formation that uh, is the same name and Matthew, I see like based on whether, what we want, we are able to just kind of switch it, you know, what we want over there in terms of whether, whether our tight end lines up outside or inside. And so Um, That was all it was, was, you know, the formation, getting the formation lined up how we wanted
0: it to. Uh, One of the things about the Rams is they've done some things differently. Like they've proven again over the past couple of weeks that the sour cap isn't real. Um, You you don't need draft picks. You can develop guys later in the draft. And I think that that's something that one thing that that people kind of miss on the whole, well, you know, the Rams don't care about the draft. No, they do. They just they just hit on their later picks and they're able to to trade the capital um, at the top of it. But. They do, they, they do rest differently than other teams. They rest guys in the preseason um, differently than, than other guys. If you were, and I know you don't want to give any state secrets away, but big picture, Cooper, um, if you're giving advice to a coach, to a GM who says, we want to rip off the Rams, like what big picture lessons can teams learn from the way that that organization does things differently?
4: Um, I think I would say just collaborate with your players. Yeah. Find your players, find your guys that do things right. Find the guys that um, that you know that uh, represent the things that you want to be about as an organization, as a team. Collaborate with them. I mean, I think that's one of the best things that we do with the Rams is open door policy. Being able to work together and not not letting it be something where you know one person is making one person will you know Sean will ultimately make the decision. Um, but he's not doing that without hearing a lot of different voices and um specific voices, not everyone's voices, um, but having a specific group of people that he mm-hmm. wants to hear from and then being able to make decisions going forward that way.
0: Uh tell us what you are doing with Pataday.
4: So Pataday, i my allergies kill me. Absolutely mm-hmm. throttle me in the spring. I, yep. my eyes get itchy. I start rubbing them, they get red and puffy, I can't see. Try catching a football with your eyes swollen shut. It's it's impossible. <laughs> I tried it. It's impossible. You no, know, so for me, it's just just you know, in the morning, I would grab my my gloves, my cleats. I'm going to the field. I've got my a day. Um, you know, one day the relief, extra strength, one drop to each eye, 24 hours knocks out itchy eyes, and uh, and I'm good to go. It also helps. I I chase little kids around every day. We've t- we touched <laughs> on that a little bit. You know, it, it's uh, something that allows me to be, you know, present with my kids as well. So, um, very important
0: tool for me. Love it. Thank you so much, Cooper Cup, on behalf of Pat today. Uh, we'll see you this season, buddy. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that.
1: Shop delivery or pickup options near you at Ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois.
0: This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Steven, that was delightful. What was the What was the most interesting thing Cooper said for you?
3: Daddy wouldn't give me $2 million. Uh, that, would, that would have really changed my life. <laughs> All the football stuff,
0: is it? No, but I... I, I, but no, I it, Just to be clear, not $1 million. $1 million is a drop uh, in the bucket for you. But two is where it really yeah, starts it to kick two. in. But no, uh, just hearing a Rams
3: player like kind of say that they started calling more drop back because they had Matthew yeah. Stafford. Like, you can, could see it, but it's always nice to hear someone confirm it from inside the building.
0: Yeah, it's fascinating. And, and obviously, listen, we knew the moment the trade happened that there was going to be a night and day change to the quarterback position um, and that there was a ceiling on Jared Goff. And and Stafford is exactly what they needed. And that was that was proven. And, you know, the way they stacked the roster, quarterback was always going to be a thing they had to address. And, I'm, you know, it's it's good for the league that they did. Um, all right, let's go just whip around the league real quick with some news. Obviously, we did the entire Deshaun Watson thing on Wednesday, some of the other stuff. So we're not going to do that this week. We are going to do... So on Thursday, Tom Brady spoke to the Tampa Bay media, the headline on Yahoo. And this is actually not unique is that Tom Brady unsuccessfully addresses room where he spoke to dolphins in the off season. Like he, it wasn't, I, I don't even know how to, how to describe it. So he, here's the quote via Jenna Lane from ESPN. I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people, bad way to start this one off a denial. Um, I've had for the last three or four years of my career about different opportunities when I'm done playing football. So I kind of made a decision of what I'd like to do, and I'll get to be in the game of football. Now, this has mostly been put to bed by the fact that he's going to get over $30 million a year to work at Fox. Um, That's, I believe, a 10-year deal. Uh, Anything you think here? I mean, I, I think we all kind of believed. I mean... I, our boss, Bill Simmons said on a podcast with me in February, that it could be the Niners or the Dolphins and that Tom Brady was exploring his options. Uh, what were the smoke, there's fire in, in my book, Stephen.
3: No, I agree with you. I, I mean, what is he going to say? He's not going to be like, Oh yeah, I was, the Dolphins were tampering with me. Basically. So, you know, he's not going to say <laughs> to make me president, right? This is the closest thing to an admission that we were ever going to get. And you knew like, right when he started off with like a lot of people are saying a lot, or I talked to a lot of people about a lot of things like that's, that's the bar. When you, that's when you know, like, whatever well, follows is
0: bullshit. <laughs> that's his out. So Brady, um, he, I'm a bit of a Bradyologist just because you've had to sort of read the, you have to read the tea leaves with Brady because he never outright says anything. Because one of the things is, like, he's super into being a good teammate, not rocking the boat. I understand that. He's not going to come out and just start, he's not going to become Jalen Ramsey all of a sudden and start tor- torching guys. Um, but, like, his his opener when he doesn't want to start something it doesn't want to talk about something is, I've seen a lot of things. Like, there's nothing new for me. And so this is kind of a, a, a cousin of that. Do you think Tom Brady's going to be good on TV?
3: I was about to ask you the same thing. No. No, I don't. I think it's because of that, like, hesitancy to say something. And maybe he'll, like, shake it off now that he's not in the pros. Uh, I don't know, but it just seems like he, I think he's going to be in that, like, Drew Brees category, where it's obvious that he knows ball. And, like, he knows things yeah. and has experience. But I don't think he has that, like, personality that I'm going to come back for. Like, I think Romo's whole thing, everyone, like, fell in love with him predicting the plays. But then he stopped predicting plays. And he was still good. And I think it's just because he's, like, personal.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I first of all, I think Brady can turn it on in a way that I think a lot of people close to him have have seen. I think that there's, um, there's some interesting wrinkles to, to the Brady TV thing. Number one. Is everybody who knows him says he's a maniacal worker and he'll work at this. And I think that you might see Romo esque ability to just simply explain coverages and what defenses are doing and all that stuff. So I don't think that there's necessarily, uh, I don't think a work ethic problem is is can be diagnosed for a lot of people on TV. It will not be that with with Tom Brady. Like there's some analysts where sometimes I'm just like, man, this guy has done zero work. Um, not at the, at the top of, you know, a top of NFL booths, but sometimes you're just listening to a game and you're just like, did this guy just like look these guys up on Wikipedia? Um, that will not be Tom Brady. And oh, sometimes they don't even actually, they, they looked him up on Wikipedia, sometimes they just don't know who they are. Um, but that will not be Tom Brady. The other thing is like the people who know Tom Brady, and I've talked about this on the pod. They say, and this is true of Belishek too, that when you get them behind closed doors, they can be very, very, very critical because they know ball so well and they can say this linebacker just can't play. Um, And that's something I've seen. You know, I remember being in in a meeting with one of the top broadcasters anywhere and they were just destroying guys. And I was kind of like, why don't you just say this on TV? And they're like, well, you know, owners get mad and GMs get mad. And so if there's ever a top guy Who can just say like this linebacker just can't do this, or this defensive end is just not capable of what they're asking him to do? I think that you can get incredible crossover appeal. It's a 10-year, 37 million dollar contract. Does he want to go back into like? Does that 10-year deal preclude him from like? Is is it such job security and so much money that it would mean he doesn't want to go back into football? Because that's the biggest thing: is if these guys want to go back into the game, they're not going to start slandering guys because they might be their employer three years later
3: right I, th- I think that's like kind of the delicate balance when you're one of these color commentators it's like being able to criticize people without outright criticizing them I think Tony Romo actually does a good job of that he kind of like alludes yeah. to things that teams can't do because of certain personnel limitations without outright saying it that's the right. question will will Brady have that ha- be able to do that I don't know and I don't know once once those, those checks start cashing, I think that's going to be enough to to keep him away from football.
0: Uh one other bit of news on the wide receiver market. Uh Hunter Renfro, 2-year, $32 million deal, $21 million guaranteed. I got to be honest with you, dude. This seems pretty cheap. It does. Within the context of the wide receiver market this year, Renfro's production, which is I I think it was super smart of the Raiders to lock this in because I I Renfro's going to eat this year, man. Like with the Josh McDaniels offense, Derek Carr settled, Devontae Adams winning on the outside. Renfro is going to put up huge numbers to the point that sub Christian Kirk contract numbers, and listen, it's two years, so you can renegotiate next year if you'd like. Um, but I-, I feel like this is the Raiders getting off easy for a guy who's gonna get a lot, a lot of attention this year.
3: Yeah, this this that's a great deal for the Raiders. That that's like Randall Cobb in twenty fifteen money. And I I agree with you, like the fit in Josh McDaniels' system, I think they're going to look more like maybe like the 20 or the 2007 Patriots, maybe like the 2011 uh, Patriots when they had Gronk and and Hernandez. I think they're going to look more like that, like more of a spread type offense and what we've seen in New England the last couple of years. So I think Hunter Renfro, you need that slot receiver in that type of offense. And I think he's going to play the West Welker uh, role and
0: maybe catch like 120 passes. I we caught 103 last year when he didn't have Josh McDaniels. When he had John Gruden leaving halfway through the year, and he still got uh, 1,038 yards. So I think he's 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 going to be awesome. Um, in that McDaniel system, you know, it's funny because one of the reasons that Belichick started emphasizing slot receiver is because the outside receiver had become pricey, but then he lucks into Randy Moss is available from the Raiders. They basically steal him um, relative to, to, to the draft value. Um, and then they were able to pick up Wes Welker in restricted free agency. Obviously uh, ended up that that started a pattern of them picking up slot receivers for cheap. And it seems to me like the best case scenario for Josh Daniels is inheriting a great receiver on the inside, and not having to pay him outside receiver money. Right, not a you don't. And he has his Randy Moss.
3: Obviously, they're paying more, but yes. he has he already has his Randy Moss and Devontae Adams. He has Darren Waller, who wasn't there last year. He was out injured a bunch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the year that Renfro had on third down when teams were paying attention yeah, yeah. to him was amazing. So uh, yeah, he's got all the pieces, man. He's got all the pieces, and Derek Carr. I think he has a good quarterback for that type of offense. Are they going to be good? <sighs> I mean, their offense is going to be good. I don't know about the defense, and that I can't. The in,
0: AFC West, dude, it's just a killer, dude. I, I think, th- I, think I think they're going to be better than Denver. I tend to agree. I also think that uh, we need to just get uh, my new take. Seeing what's going on in college football is, we should get rid of divisions. We should do pods, like consistent divisions. I'm with just you. do pods. Just do pods. Like, pods are is, good. It is so unfair. Like they change yearly. It is so unfair of the AFC West that, like, for the next. The Raiders and the Broncos for the next 10 years are going to have to go against Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Like, the bar is so high.
3: There's no margin for error. There's no margin for error. I think what the Raiders are doing this offseason, I know people criticize them for paying the receiver close to $30 million a year, but they're going for it. Like, this is fun. Imagine being just, like, laying down for the next 10 years and go, we're not beating those guys
0: anyway. Like, this, go for it. I like it. Well, I will say this. This is the same conversation we had last year about the NFC West. And then the Cardinals, we were all—I remember going on a TV show and saying, "Pray for Cliff Kingsbury because he's going to get battered." And then the Cardinals were much better than we thought, even though the jury still remains out on Cliff. And the Rams won the Super Bowl, so like they right. it obviously didn't get beat up too much. Okay, we're, we're so I you know I I'm of two minds, but man, it is really unfair uh, right now to, to if you're the if you're the Raiders and you're building something like right? the Raiders would win a handful of divisions in the NFL, right? And, and- I think you should factor in the Renfro contract
3: into the Adams contract. Like paying those two guys the whatever the the sum is. What is it? Like close to 40 million? That's not too bad. You're not paying too no. much. Like Renfro's deal is so bad, I wouldn't even ask him to borrow two million dollars. I would offer him like 20 bucks if he was on the pod.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh last thing, and we've done this ad nauseum, so I don't want to go too 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 far on it. Um, Lamar Jackson still not in Baltimore for offseason workouts. Mike Florio had a breakdown um, yesterday. Three possible explanations. Possibility number one, he wants out of Baltimore. Jackson has denied this. Uh, number two, he wants the Ravens to offer him a market-setting contract without negotiation. Um, obviously, they're not engaging at this point. And possibility number three is he's just unsure of what he wants, and he's staying away. Uh, I've thought this is going to get done pretty consistently. I think that this is just the, the reality of the franchise tag, which is, and it, listen, if, if he wants to go with the sort of Dak Prescott model and get a couple of years in the franchise tag and be negotiating against what's probably going to be, what, $35, $40 million tag by the time he gets there, maybe that's a play. But I'd take the 200 230 whatever it is um, going forward. I think that, you know, listen, Deshaun Watson probably set the market, and I'd certainly rather have Lamar Jackson than yes. Deshaun Watson. And there was some, you know, I, I think that there was, um, I, I think it was in Sports Illustrated this week, but they wrote basically like, you know, there were there are people who do not have the Haslam's, uh, you know, the Bengals spend less money typically than the Haslam's, right? And they're going to be negotiating a Joe Burrow contract now off of the Deshaun Watson deal. Um, it, that 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 to me is going to change the, the paradigm a little bit. Joe Burrow will get paid what he needs to do, and the Bengals will prioritize that. Um, you know, the Ravens obviously are are first-class organization, they pay their guys all the time. Um, they're having the same, same questions with the Bengals. And by the way, the Bengals have an indoor practice facility. Maybe the culture is changing there, and they just made the Super Bowl. Um, but having said that, that seems like the, the starting point to me is, 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 is 230.
3: Two yeah, it has to be. I mean, just given everything that's going on around Deshaun Watson, that has that's like a great negotiating point if you're Lamar Jackson's camp. I, I'm not Oh, is about it been, I'm actually going to play? <laughs> right. I'm actually going to play all 70 games this year. I, I'm not concerned about like the lack of progress or the lack of reported progress. I just think it's the nature of this negotiation. There's no agents involved. And yeah. usually agents are the ones feeding our uh spoon feeding information to reporters. And we're not getting that this with this one. All right. Anything else? Go weekend plans. No, I, I do want to give a shout out to Willie Sneed for, uh, Oh, God, my we have to
0: mention this. Yeah, so Willie really Steed gave an interview. Was it to Ty Dunn? Yeah, Ty Dunn. Okay. Um, our guy, our buddy, Ty Dunn. And in it, he was talking about Greg Roman. He throws Roman under the bus a little bit. Would you say that? Yeah. I, yeah, certainly. I mean, it's fair criticism. Yeah. But then in the middle of it, he goes full Steven Ruiz and says Greg Roman would be a great run game coordinator which if you are a diehard listener of this show you know that Stephen Ruiz has dubbed like five people a future run game coordinator including Willie Greg Sneed, Roman including Greg <laughs> Roman uh Willie Sneed, I mean sounds like he's a listener Stephen I I get him on
3: the pod get him on the pod I'm always I'm always advocating for for more players to be on the pod ball like pit? normal pods ball pit segment Another ball pit segment. I want to hear. I want to ask Willie Sneed Does Greg Roman know ball when it comes to the passing game? The answer is
0: I think he would say no. That's basically what he said. All right. We'll be back on Wednesday. We don't have another ball pit segment on the docket. Let's just get one, Steven. Let's just be legends and just find somebody next week. Let's do it. This has been the Ring Run FL show, part of the Ring Podcast Network. Thank you to Steve Nerson for his help with additional productions provisioned by Arjuna Ramkabal. See you next week.